everybody. It's your girl, Michelle, with Girls Talk Real Talk, because when girls talk, just about anything can happen. So we have another fantastic show here today, and we have a young lady that was actually introduced to me by another friend that um, I really think that you are going to enjoy. She has a very interesting story, but we're going to let her tell a little bit about herself before we jump into it. So Yolanda, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Hello, everybody, and thank you again so much, Michelle, for inviting me on. I am super excited to be joining Girls Talk and to be part of the Real Talk. Um, so yes, my name is Yolanda Holland. I'm born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. I have a little bit of an accent, so you'll hear that if I say certain words with an R in it. Uh, I work in Brooklyn. I live with my sister right now, so we're in Brooklyn, New York, living it up. Uh, and I work for a wonderful organization, and I am a culture manager there. Um, I'm also a fiance and a stepmom. Okay, so we're going to get into the personal stuff in a minute, but what exactly is a culture manager? Yes, so a culture manager is very similar to like an assistant dean. Um, every charter, because I work for a charter school, every charter school has its own terminology for certain positions. Uh, so a culture manager is somebody like right now, virtual. I had to learn that new position since we went virtual this year uh, and last year, uh, school year. Um, so yeah, so I do everything. If we were in the building, I do everything from welcoming students into the building. Uh, I'm like the temperature checker. So I'm always at the front um, welcoming students. I am, you know, making a lot of eye contact. I'm checking for particular students to see how their morning is. Um, make sure, you know, students ate if they didn't eat. And I know that there's students that need to eat. I usher them into the cafeteria to make sure they get a little snack. You know, some of us need that extra gas in the morning. Some of us don't. I'm not a breakfast person, but I know that my sister, she can wake up and eat, you know, and it actually helps her. So, you know, just like my students, I'm there to provide whatever they need. Um, and that is conversations, that's walks, that's punching bags, that's, um, you know, everything from learning how to express ourselves to learning about expressing ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, my day is very busy, but it's not instructional uh, position. So I'm not actually facilitating uh things that they'll get tested on, you know? Okay. So in, in what it is that you do, um, I want to jump right over into the fact that you're also the basketball coach at yes. Charter School. Lady Eagles. Woo! <laughs> so, um, one of the reasons why I thought that this was perfect during um, the month of self-love um, to have you come on the show is because as we were talking before we came on, what is one of the biggest lessons that you teach your girls when you are conditioning, when you're talking with them, when you're practicing, when you're um, helping them through situations? What is one of the key components that you make sure is is present in the way that you interact with them? So besides letting them know what my role is as a coach and what, you know, that whole relationship between coach and player is. And, and that's one thing that becoming a coach for the first time, I really didn't understand. And so it was really important for me to make sure that I did express that with my, with my players. And so the first thing is that we kind of talked about what that relationship looked like. And I pretty much how I wanted it to be was like, I was the big, big sister mom at times. Um, and also like team player. Um, I also, one of the big things about joining a team that, every player should know is that there is no I in team. Even if the best player there is, uh, you know, the star, mm -hmm. not just about that particular player. It's about everybody on the team. And so from the best player to the player that needs the most work, um, I treated them very similar. They got the same little privileges and snacks in the hallways when I would see them. We had hand signals. So it was really important for everybody to understand what being on a team was really about um, to make sure that they understood the commitment that I had as an expectation as a coach, um, not only just on the court, but off the court and what that was going to look like. And we decided it together because like I said, I was part of the team. I'm not the, you know, I may be the head um, as the coach, uh, but I let them decide their, their, um, 
who was going to be, you know, in charge of the team, who was going to be captains, you know, who was going to be our manager, what that looked like, what they wanted to see as those types of roles. And so I was very, uh, I allowed my players to, for it to be very student focused so that, that they would share with me, but I would also be teaching them about, you know, what it was to be part of a team. So in working with them and teaching them the importance of being a part of the team, um, as we were talking before, and I told you I used to play volleyball, um, and the running around the gym, that conditioning um, yes. is very important because volleyball games are very intense mm -hmm. on point. And I know the basketball team did a whole lot more running than what we did. Yes. And I, I was going to die from the running. <laughs> but in that, that, that level of, of commitment um, that you have to use and that you have to um, impart into those young ladies' lives. Why don't you talk about what that looks like um, when, especially dealing with middle school kids? Yes. That in and of itself is a whole, <laughs> that's whole show in itself. Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, so it's a uh, part of probably one of the things I, I mean, I, of course, I enjoy winning games and all of that, but I really enjoyed the building of the team, and that's when the conditioning starts. And so what I tell them is that conditioning is about being prepared. And so if we're prepared and we're strong and we build our strength, not only for ourselves, because it's, we have to do the work and the squats and the wall sits and the running and, you know, the suicides and all of that stuff, but also too, that we're committing to each other. And so time is valuable. And so, uh, you know, and I also used to tell them like these same lessons that I'm teaching you on the court are lessons that you're going to learn that you need to take off of the court about being on time. And if you're saying you're coming to a practice that you actually do what you say and that you text and you communicate if things are going wrong or you don't hold people up. Um, and also that there's consequences for things that if things don't go right. And so, you know, my team knew we didn't curse on the court. I didn't care about what anybody else said to them or what what happened, that they did not, they remained calm. And that was my expectation. And, and part of my commitment to them is that I would handle if there was any conflict, let me do it, You that I, I expected them not to handle that. And so, you know, we would, you know, conditioning is very tough. That's when you prepare for the sport. And so for basketball, you really want to strengthen your legs. You really want to strengthen your core. And so it really beats you up. And I remember when I put on a team, I remember being like, oh, my goodness. And, and to think that I would not be able to survive a practice. And then at the end of the practice, you know, I'm trying to get the girls out of the gym. They're still running around. They're still, you know, hanging out with each other. And so I'm like, oh, you know, in the beginning, you know, we're doing these, uh, you know, three minutes of crunches or, you know, wall sits and things like that. Um, I also try to make it really fun. And so I'm playing their music that they like. I may not understand it because I really don't. That's how I knew I was getting older is I really don't understand what they're saying in their current songs um, and couldn't really relate to it. But, you know, it was their court. And so we would blast the music. We would get in the zone, but we valued that time. And so, you know, no phones. Um, they knew what I expected when we came into the, the gym, that their jewelry was off, that they was ready to go. Um, that they brought water um, because I didn't want to take too much time with breaks. And, you know, and it's because preparing them for the game, the game is 40 minutes. It's a long time of running up and down a court. You know, we have a few timeouts, um, but I would give them those time the same amount of time. So you got a 30 second, you have a minute, you know, you got to run to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom, you have to come back and the court in a minute and to figure out how to do that. You know, and as women too, they also be, comes things of like having to learn how to do it with your, uh, you know, with your menstruation um, and what that feels like. And, um, you know, and so it was very, I used to tell them all the time, like, yes, you got to go to work. Just because this happens doesn't mean we get to just shut down. Unfortunately, we do not get that privilege. And so, um, you know, are we still going to run? Yes, we are. Are we still? And I would tell them too, like, oh man, you know, I feel you. I don't feel good today too, but guess what? I'm going to do the laps with you guys. Is that, you know, I understand we're all kind of down. So let me get my shorts on and my sneakers and let me get in there with you. So I definitely, you know, I didn't mind it. It gave me a little free workout as well, <laughs> you know, to work out with the girls, but it was a great time with them. Um, 
I'm still in contact with even, uh, I've graduated three years. So three of my eighth grade girls have graduated already. And I'm still in contact with them all the time. We chat, we check up on each other. I love, they just check up on me. It's super cool. And it, it's what you establish in the beginning about your team that you can see, you know, years after years where your players are coming back to still see how you're doing or still coming to a game or, you know, excited about their shirt. They rock their shirt or post a picture of it or something like that. So that's really cool to see. So understanding that um, environment in which we live in, the social, um, the political environment in which we live in, um, how are the things that you're teaching them the life skills that you're teaching them on the court and in your conversations with them, how are they helping them navigate this? All that this is that our world um, has become since what the end of 2019, really? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was very difficult on all of us. But one thing I did establish with my players is that I want them to know that I'm here for them. And so, you know, when I'm not a, when I'm not, I'm always coach, but they know that they could call me and I could be, you know, they call me Miss Holland because they met me in the school. So it's usually Miss Holland if they're not calling me coach. Um, but they call me and they talk about things when things were happening with the protest and, you know, being in New York, there was, a, I mean, it was nightly protest, nightly uh, fireworks going off until three, four o'clock in the morning and, you know, still having to get up and go to school and do things and living through that. Um, some of them being scared because they're immigrants and their families um, may not be, um, may not have papers and things like that. So there was a lot of things. I talked to a lot of them about different individual things, um, being a resource, you know, for them. So if they needed research, trying to show them a direction that, um, if there was something they needed to go, providing them a direction where they could go. Uh, but also like just kind of keeping it real. You know, when I got, when there was certain things that I wished that I knew before I knew that I needed to know that. And so, you know, just about how, what it means to be on time, what it means to, you know, especially with this tech world now, you know, there's constantly internet things where you can think you're going to sign in at six and just because your computer worked earlier, now it's buffering, there's an update going on. So, you know, just about being five minutes early, double checking, you know, your stuff, all of those things are like key skills that are going to be beneficial regardless of what you're doing. You know, whether you're going to a friend's birthday party or whether you're going to an interview or doing something like we're doing right now, um, being punctual, being a woman of your word, you know, being that. And that doesn't mean that you don't get to change how you feel. It's just that you get to also learn how to communicate a little bit better to so that people know that maybe I said I was going left, but now I'm going right so that people aren't confused about what's happening if you have to, you know, share where you're going. Um, and then a lot of them, sometimes it was conversations about being a big sister or being a sister, you know, in general, mom and me issues, you know, being 13 and 14 years old. And what's that, you know, what is that like? Um, and I often had to go back to how I was and what I thought about at 13 and 14, um, sometimes to understand why it was so important. Uh, and then sometimes I didn't even go back to ask why it was so important. I was just like, I remember needing someone to listen to me. And so I appreciate that listening ear, you know, and providing that space for them. Uh, and also courtesy. Courtesy was huge. You know, I was big on I'm a giver. My love language is gifts. I love to receive and I love to give. And I was big on them making sure that they were, you know, understood and made sure that they were saying thank you for things, you know, that you you held doors for the team, you know, a player behind you that we greeted the other team, you know, even though we wanted to kill them on the court, you know, that we greeted them before and after, you know, they seen me have a certain stature with the other coaches, often males, um, you know, who kind of would see me come in and be like, oh, this is, you know, this will, this will be easy. <laughs> you know, um, and I always would love when we did beat them. And often we did. You know, we actually were a really good, really, really good team. And I say was just because it's been on hold due to everything that's been happening uh, with COVID, with not being able to um, play because, you know, having to pass. The schools have not granted what the NBA is doing. We're not all in a bubble, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, yeah, that 
it makes a difference. So I want to go back to something that you said, because I think it's, it's um, very, very important because one of the challenges that I see women, Black women specifically, are dealing with is being able to navigate the world that we live in today. And um, for a lot of us, we don't know who we are and we don't know where we fit in. Well, with the pandemic, a lot of us are losing our jobs because they don't see them as essential mm. positions. And they want you to choose between being at home, taking care of your children or coming into this job and doing this work that I'm paying you to do. Right. Um, so in in what it is that you deal with, even in, in your generation and dealing with the young people that you deal with, what is the biggest struggle that you've noticed um, that is happening because of the world in which we live in, from the riots, from the um, injustices, from the pandemic, from just trying to figure out who you are in the midst of all that's going on? So what has been one of or a few of the, the biggest issues that you've seen populate? So I've seen uh, motivation go down. Um, I haven't, you know, just trying to get things started. People, you know, don't feel as motivated to do um, as much as before. And, you know, I've lived in New York for 12 years now. And so New York is very like, we're go, we're go, 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 go. So when I noticed this, the, the, instant slowdown, you know. Um, also, too, I noticed a lot of uh, lack of trust. And so just in terms of everything that was happening political, where it's like you have no idea who you can believe, what you can believe. You turn on one news station and saying one thing. You turn on the next news station and saying something else. You go on social media. It's everybody else's opinion. Uh, and so that that's really difficult. And so just trying to figure out, like, who can you trust? Also, can you trust that people are, you know, living their lives safe if they come around you? So you have that issue as well. Um, and then I think, I think in terms of the kids, uh, what we've really noticed is almost like a... Um, it has to do with motivation, but like a lack of self-awareness almost, you know, uh, where they're not, like you said, not really sure. And because they don't have these social um, components where you have these recess, you know, people don't understand how important like recess and lunchroom and things like that are and how that also helps mold children. Um, and if you're good in your culture and your eye, you can catch things, you can watch things, you know, you can, you know, you can see how something can start to bubble. We, we call it smelling out the smoke before the fire hits. Um, but also being able to like restore it as well, you know, find ways to restore it, find ways to catch things and trick, you know, almost I say like trick kids into believing that they're best friends before, you know, it's almost becomes like a competition. Um, and also seeing that competition, like I enjoy that in school, especially when we have all these really good incentives and things like that, that we kind of like carrot, you know, dangle in front of the horse, mm -hmm. like, do this, you know, do your homework for 10 straight days and you get, you know, whatever. And then you would see like these kids are like, I want those Beyblades, you know? And so you would see that like almost that competition as well. Um, that isn't as strong. They can see their pairs, you know, you know, on the screen and things like that, but they're not really interacting with them. And so that's going to be extremely interesting when we go back into the building and we have to start interacting with each other again and how that feels, what it looks like, you know, all the traumas that we'll have to deal with. And that's from young all the way up. You know, some people are ready to go back into the workforce and they're like, I'm just ready to go. I don't care. You know, I, you know, I'm sick of wearing sweatpants. I want to get my life back going. And some people are like, I'm not sure that's where, you know, like I kind of enjoyed this. So it's going to be really interesting to see like how we move forward. Um, and that's where I think, I mean, I'm glad that my school really does a lot of work on social emotional development, but I think a lot of organizations need to do that um, and really help people learn how to express themselves, 
how to accept other people's expressions and opinions, and then also out of how to debrief those. Um, because it's going to be very, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting. This is the biggest situation I've seen, you know, since I've been alive um, that kind of shook us up. Uh, and so I'm very interested to see and also looking for ways to kind of prepare for what will happen so that I can help my students. So I did a show um, last week. Was it last? I think it was last week. Um where uh, the title was, um, Lord, I'm struggling, help. Mm. Um, in, in your interactions within your community, as well as the young people that you deal with and, and overall, what has been the biggest struggle besides what we've talked about, the motivation, the lack of trust and the, the self-awareness? Um, because as you know, um, even, even in being in, um, educational setting, you you have to be able to identify the underlying reasons why this is what's showing up, why it's presenting itself. So what do you think on a woman's level, on a young person's level, what is the struggle? Where Where is it that we're struggling that these things are starting to present themselves that you have seen? Yeah, so I think that we really struggle with the storytelling, right? I talked about how I don't didn't know certain things. And then it, it slapped me in the face. Right. Um, you know, I, we just did a play the other day and we talked about how, you know, Harriet Tubman used to tell uh, stories to the, you know, the slaves and things like that. And they would pass it on and how that was beneficial, you know, telling stories, help people grow. They help people understand where they came from. Um, I don't really see that a lot of parents who, you know, they're, they work two jobs, they do all this, you know, they'll come into the, the meeting with me and they'll say, you know, I'm just tired and my kid doesn't understand. And I'll, and I'll say, well, have you, have you talked to them? I understand that they're in third grade, but if they can read this level book, mm-hmm. they, you don't have to let them know about adult problems, but did you tell them mommy's tired? Did you tell them mommy feels overworked and mommy needs an hour before we do the play? You know, um, also I think that this pandemic has kind of, opened up anything that was underneath the rug. And so families that we may have thought were financially okay or, you know, doing all right. They weren't on our radar for certain things, became on our radar and uh-huh. because everybody was home. And so where parents probably, you know, had the pressure of being able to feed their kids one time, they went to three times and additional snacks. <laughs> <laughs> and so if your kid came to our school, they got breakfast, they got snack, they had a lunch snack, and then um, breakfast, snack, lunch, and then snack again. So our kids went home virtually, and all we were getting from parents is like, I can't feed these kids. They keep going back to the fridge. What are y'all doing? Uh, they keep saying, Ma, this is snack time. You know, they're hungry. They're expecting, you know, something, you know, and some of these people, parents have five or six children, you know, so they... They don't have enough. You know, you buy one of those little snack things that has like um, uh, Rice Krispie treats in it. It's usually like 12 in the pack. That means you know, everybody gets two and then that's it. You know, and that's that could be five, six dollars. Um, you know, so that's very expensive. And so for us. There's so much learning that we can do from each other, from these types of conversations, from just having conversations, asking questions and someone being willing to share their story, share their experience. And I'm always trying to get people to share, even with kids, share that struggle of reading that book. What was it? It may help us not select that book again. You know, when, right. when your opinion, we may be like, you know what? Even though this book is, it fits all the criteria, it's not really benefiting our kids. They're not getting it. And for whatever reason, you know, for us to change it. And so like trying to get them to build that strong voice within themselves um, and like I said, because of the trust, because of everything happened, we had ice. Ice happened at the same time um, as the riots and the protests. And so it was so much going on that I just felt like everybody went mute. Like everybody just got quiet. Mm-hmm. And that's when the problems just hit because people weren't asking for help. People weren't saying what they needed help with. Um you know, people were losing their jobs and their houses, getting sick, 
losing family members. I mean, New York, we had in April, it was crazy. I mean, we had two weeks of people dying at 800, 800 a day, almost a thousand people a day in New York. And out of that thousand, 600 of them were coming from Brooklyn. So that was very concerning because that's like where we were. So it was on a daily daily check and even weekends checking on families, mm-hmm. how they're doing. And just, you know, just again, just being there, even if they don't want to share, having assemblies where they could come and, and share something with us. But I definitely see that, you know, continuing the self-care. Self-care was big before everybody was, oh, I'm taking a self-care trip. I'm doing this, mm-hmm. nails, you know, I got my bubble bath. And then I just noticed self-care just seemed like because you were home as if you still couldn't provide yourself with self-care and a little bit of self-love and a chance to just say, you know, it's okay. Today may not have been a good day. You know, I'm going to treat, I'm very, I'm very big on treating myself. That's the only way I got through my master's. Actually, I was, uh, you can have ice cream. Once you finish this paper, you can have a slice of cake from that bakery you know, and then you have to walk up and down the stairs five times. <laughs> but I did, I did treat myself with a lot of food. Um, you know, you could watch this series, you know, uh, Power. I got to watch Power, but, I, you know, I would put myself up. You can't do anything, you know. So just delaying my gratification, but also like trying to keep up with the same things that I was doing before. You know, having those, it's not the same having a Facebook or, or uh, you know, like a Zoom meeting, but they, they they can be fun, you know, and at least you are still having some type of social. So I, I've seen a lot of people just kind of stop or get sick of it, you know, um, but I definitely encourage people to continue to go to those D-nice dance parties in your living room, you know, put something cute on every once in a while. Um, there was a while that I didn't wear earrings. And then when I finally did it, my whole, it was like a little, like clothes to, you know, put it on because I too wasn't, you know, I wasn't having school. I wasn't having to do things. So I wasn't really, and I'm a big airing, you know, like you, like we talked about earlier, I commented on your jewelry. I'm a, I'm, I love jewelry. Uh, and so when that happened, I was like, Oh, Yolanda, you like, you too have let go of some of, you know, it's just about like, you know, just trying to, I would say whatever makes you happy. Think about those things that make you happy. If it's a walk, If it's, you know, time alone, that bubble bath, that shower time, you know, where you put on music. Um, I, we love music in the house. So my sister and I, we started waking up and putting music on instead of the news on, you know, so we would kind of have a little bit of like, you know, pep to us or whatever before, Um, you know, working out with friends, connecting, drawing, whatever it is. Um, I did see a little bit of that drop a little bit. Um, And then as I feel like as the internet and as we stayed in the thick of things of the pandemic, I started to see it pick up. But now that we've been in it, I'm starting to see like what I was seeing in the beginning where people are starting to go back to kind of like their shell, a little bored with, you know, what is happening. And just, you know, my thing is that I don't do a lot of that stuff often, but when I do do it, I'm on for two hours with people because I have talked in a while. And so, you know, it's always cool to hear things like that. And, and I've reconnected with some people I haven't talked to in a while too. So that's always like really good. But yeah, I I think that, you know, just to bring it back to what you were saying, uh, the question, I think that young girls and young women need to continue to build themselves up Mm -hmm. Um, because unfortunately this is, I'm sorry, unfortunately this is a world that, you know, we as women of color, we're not the top. Mm-hmm. And so then we drop. Then we're a, per, a woman of color, we drop. And so uh, where we have that, I say that, you know, we are the bomb. And that's the reason why I feel like, you know, people are very nervous about us. When we walk into a room, I feel like we own it. You know, and that's with fashion down to education, down to mm-hmm. how we uh, express ourselves. Um, and so I think we just got to keep that up, you know, however that looks. Connecting, like I said, you know, um, trying something new, eating, eat, I'm always talking about food. I'm always talking about eating something new. <laughs> Get an air fryer if you have it. My sister and I just got one and that has been life changing as well. Um, and we just enjoyed like making new things, you know, oh, let's air fry French fries, you know, and just, we kind of make a big deal about things that it's not a big deal. You know, woo dinner, you know, you get excited about that, you know, maybe have a little champagne or or sparkling cider, whatever 
you're fancy, um, you know, to kind of spice it up a little bit. I think it's in, it's important. I love your personality. Um, I think it's important for people to begin to see that just because this may be where we are, it does not mean this is where we have to be. And so it, it gives people permission to step into another realm of being. Um, one of the things that I have noticed this past summer um, with all of the riots and all of the um, different protests that were going on and whatnot, one of the main areas that everybody was looking to was New York. Mm -hmm. They were looking at New York more than they were looking at where the stuff actually was happening at, because it was almost like they were setting the temperature. They were right. taking the temperature and they would set the tone for what everybody else did. And, you know, you don't think about how that is impacting the citizens that are that are living that. We're looking from the outside in. We don't have an inside view or experiencing that in real time like you guys were. Right. And so when you sit back and you think about that, I know even for my grandkids, um, the whole that whole thing created another opportunity for us to talk, mm -hmm. for, us to, for them to be able to express how they were feeling and to take advantage of opportunities to look at things from a different perspective. Because this is something that they've never seen before. Right. This is all new to them. And so, whereas I grew up at the very end, I was born into the very end of the civil rights era. Um, so by the time I'm of age to know what's going on, there's the middle-class African-American family and you've got your, your neighborhood stores and your neighborhoods and everybody in the neighborhood pretty much look like you. You have little spots here and there that didn't, but for the right. most part, it was community. Whereas my grandkids have never seen that. They've always seen um, the, the opportunity. They haven't had necessarily to deal with the struggle. But mm -hmm. I've noticed that even in our young people, that it has unnerved them. It is, it's almost like stripped that sense of security and safety yes. that they're used to having where they know that this is going to happen this day and this is going to happen that day. So you had the, the riots and all of that that was going on and, and the protests, no matter how peaceful they was, you still had those ones that were the agitators that were coming in to create problems. Yes. And then you walk right out of that into a pandemic to where you're stuck at home where you're used to being away from your mom and dad for six to eight hours a day. Now everybody's in the house and nobody can leave. Right. And so I don't think that we've really given people the opportunity to recognize the trauma that that could possibly bring into an individual's life. Oh yeah. And what it is, and I, I, I'm really grateful because I know a lot of school systems are not set up to do that daily check-in or that weekly check-in with their students to make sure that they have the resources that they need and all of that because they weren't prepared. Right. And so in looking at that and looking at the relationship that you have with specifically the girls that are on the basketball team that you work with, mm -hmm. um, how has that helped you? How, how has that interaction with them helped you maintain your sense of, of self to maintain and to continue to be motivated to do the things that you do. How has that helped you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm very grateful for uh, the time that we had that, that I actually took a lot of pictures, a lot of videos because we send that back and forth to each other. Uh, we do do check-ins. Um, we did a, a lady Eagles. Um, they met me for um, a protest. Um, I had them on my signs when I went without them and I would always take footage to let them know, like, I'm not just marching for marching for you. I'm marching for all the students that explore charter school, um, you know, across our school and across the network, you know, and, and for every, it's not just my students, any students I'll ever work with, any students I ever did work with. Um, but yeah, it definitely did open the eyes in, uh, some of our immigrant kids, it was shocking. 
to them because, you know, when they came to America, it was like America is the answer. It's the end all be all. And it is what it, that is it. You know, America is it. <laughs> and so when they came and they, you know, they would see all this and see what was happening. Um, I mean, we opened up uh, Zoom rooms. Mm-hmm. I, I did it with all third grade, fourth grade and fifth grade. Well, we had conversations, different virtual protests where they got to make signs. Some people presented them. I would show video footage of myself at um, uh, at protests um, with my signs, show them other signs of like other teachers and other schools. There was a lot of teacher walks and things like that too. Um, so I, I attended those. We had tons of conversations where some kids were like, you know, and really just allowed them to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to my girls, um, we did a basketball uh, camp. So there was a virtual um, conditioning. The school actually, there was a pilot program that happened and both myself and Mr. James, who's the coach uh, for the boys team, uh, logged into it to see like what was going on. And we were like, wow, he's really doing like basketball drills. This is great. And so we loved it uh, and was like, oh, this, you know, he can do this on their break time. So they got to do that. And I, and even in that, I utilized that to get some new girls to get excited about basketball and was like, you know, you can try and practice. And, you know, because I wasn't sure how this year was going to happen. So I was like, you know, I lost all of my practice since March all the way. We would have went into, because even after it's over, I still would have practice on like Saturdays so the girls can hang out and, you know, so we can kind of keep up our conditioning and still learn, know how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> um but we lost all of that. And so this was a great program where they got to connect with each other. They got to learn some new drills with a different coach. I got to see, I got to learn too, uh, some new things, maybe some conditioning drills that I wasn't doing with the girls that might've been beneficial for like ball handling um, and dribbling, especially those two things I had a lot of notes on that he was working on, which was really cool. Cause he started from like completely beginners to like, how do you hold a ball and what is the ribs in it help and all of that good stuff. So um he was very thorough uh and that was helpful um and then just you know having them you know if if like i said i'm i'm an open door they can always call you know i'm i'm i told them you know i'm that big sister that if you get to a place and you don't want to be there anymore you just say hey what time is practice and i'm going to know that where you are is not okay and that you're trying to let me know something. And so my next question is to tell me, uh, tell me where you are. Um, and so we have that type of relationship where you set up that security for them. So it's like our middle schoolers going to do things we don't want them to do. Yes. Of course. <laughs> How, <don't> you. <laughs> yeah. Right. How do we prepare them? You know, just like, we would say if you was going on a first date, you know, you call your friend, you let your friend know, you may let your friend know the name, um, where you are, just in case, how you got there. Did you drive? Did he pick you up? You know, somebody's going to know the details. And so I always express that. That was one thing that my one of my aunts um, really enforced on me when I was going to college. And it was that somebody that you trust really needs to know the real details, not what you're telling everybody else so that God forbid something doesn't happen. Somebody can say, actually, she's in Mexico. Because <laughs> besides food, I like to travel. Um, but yeah, so just enlisting in that, still seeing them lean on me for things like that. Um, it's definitely been, you know, a lot of like how to deal. Um, you know, a lot of them, you know, New York isn't like you live in big houses. <laughs> You know, because no, y'all's on top of each other. On top of each other, and then you know, a lot of them are siblings, so they they're in a room with their siblings. You have like a a total of a whole apartment, maybe five rooms, which is including a bathroom. You know, and you have like maybe the parents' room, and maybe one or two rooms that have like the girls and the boys. There's a lot of like situations that has like the girls in it and the boys in another room. And so I had eighth graders that you know, we're in the room all day with a third grader and a kindergartner. Um, and, you know, just, you know, you're 14, 15 years old. The last person you want to be hanging out with all the time is somebody who is nine um, or somebody who is three. 
and so just trying to help them, you know, with their with their own uh, regulation of how they were failing. Um, you know, also not being able to go outside. So I, I used to often talk about like, you know, finding a window space and putting your face against the sun, even though it doesn't feel warm. It gives, you know, closing your eyes and giving yourself that chance to just kind of escape for a little bit. Um, I always talk about, I love my shower time. The first probably few minutes of me being in the shower might just be just kind of like debrief in the day. I may be praying. I may be having a conversation with God. I may be, um, you know, just kind of just being like, wow, that was a lot. And just letting the water kind of wash over me, but also taking that quiet time. Um you know, and I always tell them like, go to the dollar store and get a little candle or something, you know, create, you know, create that happy space. You know, even if it's on your dresser and that's it, you know, you have that happy space. And so we've been able to do that. Um, I wish we had more moments that we were able to get together uh, with each other. But, uh, you know, some of us live within walking distance. So we, would, we could kind of walk to each other. Um, a lot of us, we would have to get on the train. And I just wasn't enforcing that anybody gets on a public transportation right now, especially while, you know, school is not open. So it's like, you know, I, I would want you to put yourself, I don't want you to be at risk at all. But if you're going to put yourself at risk, I would rather it be, you know, for you to attend school than to come and, you know, it'd be like a water balloon fight. You know, what I would try to do is lap them together so that the day that you came to school, we would have the water balloon fight. Um, or, or something like that. So we've, we've been able to do a few things, but most of it's really just been conversation and check-ins, you know, really just checking in on them. And they, and like I said, they check on me, you know, individually, Hey coach, or they'll go to the basketball lady Eagles stream. I mean, we have so many, we have vets, we have, and then every year the vets one changes because, you know, once they graduate, they're like, I want to go to the vet chain now. So now I have to create a whole new vet chain <laughs> <laughs> because they know that I have a vet chain because the vets get a little bit more closer to me because they're no longer my players. Um, and so in terms of like liability and things like that is a little bit different. And so they're always like, as soon as I graduate, I can't wait. I get to be your Facebook friend. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not until you're 18. But um, but yeah, so, you know, just the check-ins, the letting them can still being consistent, letting them know I'm here, letting them know I still expect that they're doing their blurpees and that they're running in place and still doing some type of wall sit because whenever we do can get together, um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be very interesting. You know, and I told them I've been working out and so I'm not going to be tight. And so I expect them to, you know, to still be doing something. Um, and I was like, I don't want it to be how, you know, like the first time where everybody's running to the trash barrel to throw up because you don't eat a, you know, turkey and cheese with mayonnaise and vinegar and everything on it before you come to practice. They may forget some of those little details, um, but hopefully they're doing some conditioning. So in in what it is that you you do um and your interaction with the, the individuals at school and those within your community. If a parent is struggling with the storytelling, what advice would you give them? Well, I would first try to figure out why the parent is struggling with the storytelling. Is it the story? Is it the shame that comes with the story? Um, and then work through those. So I'm trying to get to the why. The, what's the hesitance? Maybe that's not the story to tell. Maybe, you know, because you haven't really done the work to heal, whether it's forgive, whether it's to forgive yourself, whether it's to really do the deep dive of the work, then that may not be the story to tell. Um, and we, th I feel like sometimes we think that there's only one, but it could be a very small story. It could be about how to tie your shoes. It could be about the importance of taking your shoes off because that keeps the floors cleaner in the house than bringing dirt inside of your house, you know, that. Um, so... What I would try to do if the parents said, you know, I'm really trying to help my daughter understand the importance of telling me the truth. Um, but in the storytelling, I know that, you know, I haven't always been honest with her because I wanted her, you know, I was trying to protect her, um, you know, and things like that. And then I also say, well, add that to the story. Because 
also kids need to understand um, that there is a difference between them and their their parents, <laughs> you know, um, and if your parent decides to not tell you the truth because they are protecting you, that's different than them lying to you, you know, or you lying saying I'm going to the store with Michelle and you're really at the store with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's there's difference in lying and um and and what's the purpose, you know, what's the why behind it. Um, now I'm not telling you the truth because I don't want to get in trouble. Is different than I'm not telling the truth because I don't want to hurt you or because it's not for kids' ears, and that, that could be enough. And so um, I definitely reassure parents that that's okay with saying that I didn't tell you X, Y, and Z then because you wasn't old enough to understand, or I didn't think, and maybe I was wrong. And it's okay to say, you know what, I was sorry. Um, I've had parents who you know, may have had an adoptive child and was trying to come to grips with sharing that, that the child wasn't biologically theirs. And and what was the reason why now they're eight and you're trying to have a conversation, you know, and deep diving into the why and what's making you cautious about it, working through that. Um, Because I think that whenever you're going to have a difficult conversation, I always do my pre-conversations. I'll call somebody in my circle and I'll say, okay, you are this person. And usually it's somebody very close to me because I want them to know who I'm talking about. So it can't be a friend that I talk to every once in a while. It's going to be somebody who knows my coworkers, know how I feel about them, knows my friends, knows my family. So that when I talk, they can say, oh, yes, that person is this so that I know that they know how to play the role or they know me good enough that they can play me. And so that I can kind of, you know, hear, hear it out. Um, and then that sometimes helps people um, to be able to open up a little bit. Um, but I've, I've seen some great work where parents have come in and have just said, you know, like, I am tired of this, you know, with behavior at school or, you know, getting phone conversations um, and really just, inviting the child to really play their role as their family member and what that looks like. And did we even establish what that is? Did I just send you to school in kindergarten and say like, go to school, bye. But did I ever have a conversation with you about how that's your role in this family? And that is your job that you're going to get up and you're going to go to school every day, as long as you're healthy, willing, and able. Mm -hmm. Go. That's what you're going to do mommy's going to get up. She's going to cook. She's going to clean. She's going <laughs> to, you know, here's all the things I'm going to do. And yes, if you say that to a five-year-old, five-year-old's not going to understand you. But then again, at times there's been some kindergartners that I feel like they get it. Yeah. And I think it's really about like where your child is. And then you work to that level. Um, I wouldn't hesitate working with any families on anything like that. Um, I've worked with families on behavioral plans, mapping out the full day from when the child wakes up, what happens from the light turning on. Does the light turn on when the alarm goes off or are they a kid that needs a few minutes and the first thing that they get is meditation or affirmations, you know, um, all the way down to when they can watch TV, when they can go outside. So I've worked uh, daily plans or behavioral plans, depending on how you word it, um, with parents for years now. Um, and ironically, I don't have any kids, um, but I've seen uh, and have studied and worked with tons of families working in the school on what is what is best. And then ha- I've stayed with the no. So like right now with all this virtual, um, I've studied on how, you know, this is affecting uh, our kids, how it's creating ADHD like, um, you know, things in our in our attributes in our kids where they can't, they can't sit still, or if something's not flashing like this in front of them, they're not interested, um, how to still keep kids interested in things that are slower and a little bit more calmer during that time. How much is good time, enough time in front of a computer and what isn't an, an, a good amount of time, um, you know, and to fill it with other things, you know, like coloring, sitting, you don't always have to have, like, I don't remember when I was a kid that I had an activity all day, every day. You know, my mother didn't, she didn't play in my full day. I had some things to do. I'm thinking my mother, you better not tell my mother you were bored. Oh, no. Oh, no. You better not tell my Wash some woodwork that needed to be taken care of. There was a room that needed to be cleaned. There was always something that she didn't 
My mom used to always say, isn't this sock bag need to be organized? Oh, I used to hate the sock bag. I don't know why when you wash the socks back in the day, they all used to only come back where if you wash three pairs of socks, you got five. Where did that other pair go? So that you, you know, that random sock goes into the sock. We used to have the sock bag. And I swear my mom, I swear she used to just do it to keep my sister and I busy. She had the white sock bag and the colored sock bag. And every once in a while, we would come downstairs and it would just be poured out. And she'd be like, fix it. Like, get your socks. And we would, you know, match up the socks that we could find. And then the rest we would toss um, because they just wasn't any matches. Or we would use them as rags. We had dogs and things like that, you know, to like clean up things or whatever. Um, but yeah, bored with all... I just, didn't I just buy you that game or something? Like, I don't care how many times. Oh, I mean, it wasn't even about that. It wasn't even about that. My mother would, she would be, what did you just say? Did you say you were bored? Right, right there. And she would call it um, pale, clean eyes. I know one time I said it and I ended up using a scrub brush to clean the tile floor in the bathroom. Oh, man. <laughs> you learn pretty early what not to say. What not to say, no, yeah. No. So my daughter, I only have the one, thank God. Lord only blessed me with one. <laughs> but she's got four kids now. Um, and so she's got a 16-year-old. She's got a 15-year-old. She's got an 8-year-old. And she's got a newborn. Oh, wow. Nice. She was like, what am I doing with a newborn? I said, well, if you hadn't been doing what you were doing, you would have never showed up. But I said, the good thing about it is you're married. So we got to worry right. about it. But um, I, I noticed that with the addition of August into the family unit, because the 15-year-old is the only girl. The other three are boys. Wow. And so with his addition into the family, I've noticed how my granddaughter, even though she was already mature, she's even stepped up a level because she helps out with the baby a lot. But I've noticed that my son-in-law and my grandsons, the eight, the 16, and then my son-in-law, they, if my daughter leaves and the baby is there, they expect my granddaughter to take care of the baby. Mm. So when my daughter leaves, then if my granddaughter wants peace, she has to leave. <laughs> so all the women need to leave in order to get a break. <laughs> and so, but I have noticed that um, my mom lives in Illinois and she had come to visit. And so we had all gone out to get something to eat and we had August with us. Mm-hmm. And so my older, well, all three of the grandkids that were left in the house, aren't you going to call? Aren't you going to see what he's doing? Aren't you going to check up on him? You, you don't know what could be going on with him. And she's like, no. And they're like, you're such a bad mother. You're supposed to check on your kids. You're such a bad mother. And she was like, she's with, he's with mama. He's with T.T. He's with Grand Grand. He's fine. He, he's fine. Right. And when he came home, oh, they were all over him. And and I, I noticed, and I wouldn't have never thought this, especially from the, the eight-year-old, how they all have really rallied around him. They're always in his face, number one. Mm. How they've mm -hmm. rallied around him and how their interaction with him um, speaks to their own personality. Mm -hmm. It doesn't act the same with each one of the kids. So it's just that, that interaction. And so I brought that up to say that even in the team that you work with, it, it takes a special type of individual to be able to meet each one of those young ladies where they are mm -hmm. and make sure that you provide them with the structure and the stability and the security that they need so that they can continue growing. Um, I used to be in the classroom. I did that for four years. I was like, done. <laughs> yes. We appreciate you. And so it, it made a difference in my life because it allowed my kids, because they were children at the time, it allowed them to see the other side of the coin. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is how you acting with your teachers at school, but then you get mad if somebody else is acting that way with your parent. Right. So be able to put those together. Do you believe we've actually been on for 55 minutes? I know. I just, you know, <laughs> I just looked up and I said, we've already been on for an, it's almost seven. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been, it's been great talking to you. It's been great getting to know you. Um, I'm, I'm really going to try to keep in touch so that yes. um, because I really believe that the work that you're doing is so very needed. And I like the fact that they changed the name from Dean or assistant Dean to culture manager mm-hmm. because it changes how we receive the position. Yes. More restorative, less punitive. Exactly. Cause see yes. in my day it was the Dean. And if you got sent to the Dean, you was in trouble. Yeah, that was it. That was yeah. it. Our office is definitely not that. Um, we've really worked hard. I mean, we've dropped suspension rates over seventy percent. Um, my team, and it's only a team of two: myself and uh, Miss Kayla. She's been there for twelve years. Amazing woman that I work with. Um, and our room, it it it's not just for that. We call our room if you need a break. You're not coming here to get in trouble. You're coming here because you may need a break. You may need to have a conversation. So we state what it is. The punishment doesn't happen at our school. The punishment usually happens when you go home, right? It may be the conversation. Um, And so we're very strategic on how we have those conversations. Obviously, we do have to have some of those conversations. But for the most part, I'm somebody who I, if your kid's amazing, did something amazing in school, virtual or not, I'm I'm the person that's walking around texting. Oh my goodness! I'll send you a picture. I just walked in, and your kid was sitting there, and just so attentive to the teacher. Just wanted to let you know that. Hope you're having a great day and keep it moving. Because you know what? Sometimes it's those little things. Mm-hmm. As a parent, some Miss Holland, that just made my day. Thank you so much. Give them a hug and a kiss for me. Let them know. Well, this is before, <laughs> you know, COVID. But, you know, just let them know, like, you know, and I would go past the kid and show, look what mommy said. Oh, you didn't even know I sent mommy that picture of you doing great on your, you know, your test. And, you know, um, so, yeah. So we're definitely about restorative, trying to help, whether that's with friends. That's with teachers, too. If, if students can come and say, I need, I need to talk. You, me, and my teacher need to talk. So we can figure out figure out this situation. Yes, let's communicate. Let's learn how to figure out that we don't have to be best friends, but we can learn to be very cordial with each other and we can be respectful. And what what does that look like? You know, um, and so that's what really our office is about, is about really instilling those qualities into the students and then hoping and, and um, really pushing and encouraging them to bring that into the classroom when they leave our office. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your life with our with our audience and for allowing us to get to know more of the work that you're doing. And and what I am going to do is there were different parts of this that I'm going to clip out of the video and to you as well. But I think that it's it's important to put them out there for parents so that because sometimes they're struggling on what to do, how to do it, what's the best way to handle this situation or that situation. Yes. And it would be great for them to hear it from one from an educator to know, okay, this is what she's doing. She interacts with kids on a regular and this is what she's saying. So thank you so much for being on. Yes. It has been a pleasure. And I hope that you've enjoyed yourself as well. I have. This has been such an easy. I loved it. This is such yeah. a. We could talk. You could be. We could talk for two hours. Clearly, we talked with <laughs> for an hour. And if you do feel as if you know, if you feel that any audience members or anything like that do have a particular topic that they're interested in, in terms of their kids, like something that they're saying, like how do I deal with this? video games or how do I deal with the moodiness that I'm noticing or, um, you know, weight gain in, in children is something that I was having a lot of parents were concerned about our socialization. How do I still continue socialization for my, my child? Um, I can definitely put something together for you where we talk strictly about that, where I, I can share some, some things to do, some things to try, um, and then have some evidence to back it up. Okay. 
Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Girls Talk Real Talk because when girls talk, just about anything can happen. Thank you, Yolanda, for sharing this time with us. And we will definitely have you back on the show again. So we are signing off here and we're praying that everyone has an awesome rest of their evening and that you get out and take a walk around the block, breathe in some fresh air, open up the lungs a little bit, show yourself a little bit of grace, show yourself a little bit of self-love, and then enjoy the rest of your evening. Signing off. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.